This podcast is part of the Zeo to Hero Podcast Network. AvenuePodcast.net Hello, all my beautiful people. It's time once again for a fun episode of If You Give a Dad a Podcast. And uh, this week, I'm super stoked about this. I have another anime voice actor on my show. As you know, I had uh, J. Michael Tatum on here, and he plays the voice of Pena Ida. Now I have the voice of Tensei Ida, the older brother, or Ingenium, on my show. He also played the voice of Nappa. He played the voice of Buccaneer on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and many, many other great characters. I'm super excited for you guys to hear this episode today. Um, we kind of go all over the board with this. We talk about acting. We talk about video games. Uh, we talk about our favorite video games. We talk about all kinds of different stuff. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. And for those of you who are here just to listen to the Phil Parsons episode, welcome. I hope that you enjoy what you hear. And I hope that you stick around and listen to some of the other great episodes I have here as well. So, if you guys are as excited as I am, then let's get this show on the road. If you give a dad a podcast. Hey, Dad. So where did you actually train at? I made a really good career out of being able to bump, sell, and I had a punch-me face. I wasn't about to call you Dad, so... (laughs) Seriously? I felt like I was in an anime or something. People get really mad at those videos. For some reason, like, it triggers certain people. Yeah. Wow. I was actually lost as an infant, and I was taken in by a traveling group of independent wrestlers. <laughs> I love it. I'm excited for this one. Bro! Get punched in the face all the daily. Do you always do these interviews with your shirt off? <laughs> what? Man, this guy won't shut up. All right, everybody. So I am really stoked about this one. This is uh, a guy that I've talked to for a little bit here, trying to get this worked out to where we can get him on. He's a busy guy. He works with uh, Crunchyroll and Okratron 5000. He's a voice actor who's played lots of different roles. Uh, to name a few, it's been he's been in Fire Force. He's been in My Hero Academia, Attack on Titan, and he's really well known for uh, playing Nappa from the Dragon Ball franchise. And I'm talking about Phil Parsons. Man, how are you doing today? I'm all right, man. Good to see you, Jared. Yeah. I hear you anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this, like I said, and uh, I, I, I can't wait to get started here. Yeah, let's go. So just kind of jumping into it, how did you actually get started into this? Voice acting, uh, and you probably hear this from a lot of people uh, from the Funimation early days, mm-hmm. uh, just happened because in Dallas... Funimation was a young company, a small company, and they were just uh, kind of drawing from local theater talent right. um, to get people in. You know, they they couldn't afford to fly in, establish voiceover talent from L.A. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, um, a guy I'd worked with on a few shows said, I, and I don't remember who it was, but he said, one of my neighbors works at the studio, Funimation, they do a lot of these Japanese cartoons, you know. I uh, mm-hmm. said, like, like Dragon Ball Z, which I knew that was on TV at the time. And he goes, yeah, that's one that they do. And they're having auditions. Um, it wasn't for Dragon Ball. It was for uh, um, something else. But I just went in and read and got cast. Oh, uh, wow. And I think they kept using me because 
um, I think at the time, if the if an actor came in and showed a knack for the technical side of it, mm-hmm. not just the acting ability, but like being able to understand how to um, to time your your line readings to fit the existing uh, mouth movements. You know, they call them flaps in the business. Right. Um, that was a big deal with Funimation. They did not want to do a quick just throw it out there dub like you saw in old Godzilla movies. They wanted <laughs> they wanted these English lines to match the animation so well you'd think it was originally done that way, you know. Yeah. And uh it was really on the actor back then to really have a feel for it. Nowadays it's a lot of, I go in the studio now and I throw out a line and and just in the ballpark of the timing and I know the engineer most times can can stretch and squeeze and make it fit. What they can do with pro tools is so much more advanced, but but then 21 years ago um you know, they wanted actors who really kind of had a feel for it. Yeah. Um, and I guess I, I did because they kept using me. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, you've been in this 21 years. That's, uh, you know, that's a long career. And uh, you've done all kinds of characters. And, you know, I was looking through your list today and um, some of them I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that you had done. Like uh, there's one of my favorite animes is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize that you played Buccaneer on that one. Uh, and then I was like, oh, okay, now I can hear it now that I'm, you know, talking to you. And uh, so what would you say is probably one of your favorite characters that you've played over the years? Uh, what I usually tell people when they ask me that is, uh, as far as uh, anime goes, is probably uh, Kenny the Ripper. Okay. Attack on Titan because uh-huh. you know he only had a one season arc, but it it was a real arc. You know he yes. he he had a lot. Of, he comes in like a um a psychotic firebomb, mm-hmm. um, but then you learn all these different um reasons for his behavior and his background, and and he plays them. By the time he dies, you actually almost feel sorry for the guy. Right. Yeah. Playing all these different characters, you know, you have to try to make them all unique i guess you uh, you could say to whenever you're coming up with these different um, voices do you have a certain process that you go through whenever you're trying to come up with a new character voice well you make it sound like there's this uh, this preparation and this this, <laughs> this time to really think about it most of the times you you go in there and the director just tells you hey, you're gonna play this guy all right give me something or you know ah, something in the low range something something close to your own voice something you know yeah so um you kind of go on very little instruction. You look at what the guy looks like or the character, you know. Um, uh, so I don't know. I mean, I know sometimes, not so much now, but I remember back in the day, I would I would be thinking of a, of a character I liked from something else. Like I did this uh, show called um, Trinity Blood mm-hmm. way, way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see it, Jared? You familiar with it? I, I am familiar with it, yes. Okay, yeah. Occasionally I get people who are. Anyway, the, the premise was it was in the future and vampires were had were trying to take over the world and the catholic church was this organized right. sort of um army you know yes. that fought them so i my character was a priest but he he was like a badass you know with long <laughs> hair and you know he could handle himself in a fight and stuff like that but anyway at the time um i was a real big fan of lost that was still on the air that was so a great show I, I sort of modeled my read the way uh the way Sawyer would sound on Lost, not without the heavy Texas twang or Southern twang, because they didn't want that right back then. But that kind of just kind of, you know, mercenary, don't really give a shit, but he's there to help yeah. read, you know. Okay. And so stuff like that, I would think, oh, I'll make this kind of sound like this guy or my version of that guy. 
Um, but I've done it long enough now that I kind of have just a few areas where I go into and then, and then the director might say, Oh, that's good. Can you give it more of this? So, right. I don't know if you call it a process, you know, but it's, <laughs> it's what I do. Not well, like Buccaneer, for example, I, I think because I did Napa, I, I, a lot of directors would cast me as just big, big yeah. dudes like that. And so I, I, I tell fans that I think of Buccaneer as like the smart Napa, you know, he's, He's a big gruff wrestler kind of guy, but he's much more thoughtful and, and right. plans his moves with much more consideration. He had that big cool claw too. It's <laughs> of all most of my characters have died, Jared, and I think that Buccaneer got the best death of anybody. Yeah. Okay. I I, I can see that. <laughs> I mean, Napa went out like a bitch. Uh, <laughs> Kenny Kenny was a good death scene, but it was, you know, it was well, yeah, like you said, you kind of felt sorry for him, you know, um, it, it was a good story. I, I liked where they went with his story, but um, yeah, I, I still think Buccaneer probably has one of the best out of all of them. Definitely most heroic. I mean, he's yes. Really... Yeah. When you're not doing this, what, what do you like to do in your spare time? Do you have any hobbies? Nothing too interesting. I was gaming right before I got on this podcast. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I uh, it's not not PC. I do console. Okay. I was, I was playing the Resident Evil 4 remake. Uh, okay. Separate Ways DLC uh, on my Xbox Series X is what I was doing. Okay. Well, yeah, we've got, we do a lot of consoles in our house. We have PCs, but me and my kids, we all do the uh, consoles. Like out here where I do my podcast, I do it in my garage. And then right directly across from my podcast area, I've got a TV set up and I've got like a bunch of old game consoles and stuff. Oh, you got a little gaming man cave there in the garage, huh? I do. And me and the kids come out here and uh, when they want to talk trash, um, I'll play them on a game that I know. So like I'll play some Halo or, you know, something like that. Be like, yeah, you don't know anything about this. So yeah, I I love doing that. That Just I want to get a lot of the older consoles and I just want to get like a variety. Right now I've got the 360 the PS3 and the GameCube hooked up out here. And then we have a Wii U uh, 64 and a Xbox Series S in the house. Yeah, 2000 was a, was a glorious decade for consoles. It was. They were just the, the heat was on with those big three fighting it out. I mean, I, yeah. a lot of people, they, they think the 90s are the glory days. And I, you know, I, I had a lot of good times on those consoles too. But I don't know, I think some of the best consoles ever made came from the 2000, the PS2 yeah. and the Xbox 360. When I yes. say best, I mean platform, not the hardware build quality, which that was pretty atrocious. I don't know a single person <laughs> who had an original 360 that did not have Red Ring of Death. Yeah, uh, I've been pretty lucky with this one. Actually, the 360 that I have, um, I got for free. Um, I was at my local game store, and they were about to throw it away. And they said, if you think you can fix it, you can have it. So I brought it home, and the only thing that was wrong with it is the lights that go around uh, that tell you, which controllers are connected. Mm-hmm. It, those didn't work. Besides that, it works just fine. Really? Yeah. So oh, but they thought it was busted. Yeah. They thought it was broke. So there's like, we're just going to throw it away so you can have it. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll see what I can do. No, I mean, if it's trash is Jared's treasure. This is true. Yeah. You're going to tell me that you got in there and opened it up and, you know, did some uh, engineer stuff and fixed it. No, I'm, I'm not that cool. Yeah, I, I feel like MacGyver, if I watch a YouTube video and manage to, you know, re- replace a transistor on my ceiling fan or something, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm not the guy who can take it apart and know exactly what's wrong. But 
YouTube uh, has made things a lot easier when it comes to that, though. Um, totally, yeah, I, yeah. I know how to do a lot more things than I ever thought I would just because of that. Yeah, I finally got a 4K TV a couple of years ago. I still had this old um, DLP high def set. Okay, from from the like 2007. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anyone out there knows about DLPs, you got to change the bulb every few years. But this one had was having some other kind of problem, and I I found a a refurbished part on eBay, and then with the help of a YouTube video, I was able to go in and fix a you know a burnout uh, capacitor or something, and it kept it going for a little bit longer. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, I I love it when when I'm able to do stuff. You're, you're proud of yourself whenever you're able totally. to totally like because otherwise, you know, just ten years before, or so I would have had to have like found a shop that worked on them and paid yeah. you know probably three hundred bucks or something just to have it had that done. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I think. So where we're at, I think there's one TV shop left and they might have actually shut down, but they just have the sign still out there. But because they're disposable now. Nobody fixes one. You're like, well, right. I get one better for half of what you paid for that one three years ago. So, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of with us. Uh, actually, how I got a TV in the garage was because uh, nobody's admitting to it, but somebody threw something in the house. And there's a little spot down at the corner that's now a blue hue to it. Nobody wants to admit who did it, but instead of, you know, getting rid of it, I was like, Hey, I can have it out here. And that's an excuse to get a bigger one in the living room now. Uh-huh, yes. So, yes. <laughs> that's so usually the way it works. You have, to, you have to figure out the politics of a situation like that. Exactly. <laughs> Honey, we need this. This is not some frivolous expense. Exactly. I mean, you, you don't want the blue in the corner when you're watching this, you know, I mean, that that'll throw you off on what you're trying to see. Yeah, but it's amazing how uh, the systems look like now. I, I was talking yeah. about, I was at a convention this weekend and had uh, someone at my table that uh, was not a big anime fan. They were there more for gaming, but we started okay. talking about gaming and consoles. And they were much younger. They were like 20 than me. You know, they were like 25. So for them, they, like you had some old uh, cons. And for them, even a PS2 was really vintage because, you know, this person was like a toddler when it came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, but I was talking about how I was going back to my grandpa. I said, well, I remember playing the old Atari 2600, the VHS, you know, Mm -hmm. considered, even though it wasn't the first home console, it was the first one to catch fire and become a big thing, you know? Right. It was the Nintendo of the late seventies, early Mm eighties. And, um, you know, I I always said, if I could take a 4k set and, 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 and my PS five or my series X and hook it up and show it to my, like 10 year old self, my head would probably explode like in scanners. I don't think I would have been able to comprehend it. Yeah. I wouldn't know what I was looking at, you know? I mean, I still feel that way sometimes with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 35 and seeing some of the stuff that we have now, it blows me away, you know, because I remember growing up and having the original NES to play games on. And uh, the Super Nintendo coming out. I remember when Nintendo 64 was such a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, and now just going back. And so we bought one. My son's kind of the retro gamer of the house and he wanted one for Christmas. And I found a guy sold me one with like three games and like four controllers and a rumble pack and all that for like 200 bucks. And um, looking at those graphics now, I'm like, man, we thought that was just amazing. But looking at what, what's, in the newer consoles, it blows it completely out of the water. Yeah, it's, well, the, yeah, our standard was changing each time. I mean that, but that right. was that era there in the mid '90s was a seismic shift because between the N64 and the PlayStation, the original PS 
uh, one. Yep. Uh, that was the transition from sprites, et cetera, to um, 3D environments. Yes. And that just, even though it still was very polygonal and, and looked constructed, um, it it felt like a, a paradigm shift. I mean, it was yeah. changed the way you thought of games. I remember playing uh, Battle Arena Toshinden, which was uh, not a great fighter, but it was a launch title for the PlayStation. But my friends and I just couldn't stop playing it because we'd played so much Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat that the idea of actually being able to turn around and work in the other dimensions was just, we couldn't get enough of it. Right, yeah. Um, so did you play a lot of the uh, PlayStation or were you more 64 back in the, uh, that time? I didn't actually ever, I did eventually have it in 64. Mostly I had friends who had consoles and I played on theirs, but I, um, the, I think the first console I bought it, bought it as an adult. No, that's not true. Cause I had briefly an Atari Jaguar oh. in the early nineties. Yeah. And I had a super NES, but uh, then I got, uh, I got an N64. Mm-hmm. I, for a long time, I always bought whatever Nintendo had because I had to play whatever version of Mario Kart was current. Right. Yeah. Um, but the switch is the first time I haven't done that. Um, that one's a although, good one too, though. Yeah, I know, and I may I may get one just because I like the mobile gaming aspect. I I tried yeah. at this last con; it was pretty slow to be honest, and I had downtime, so I took my controller with me, and I had my iPad hooked up to the the Wi Fi, and I thought I'm going to remote play my mm-hmm. game, but it was too laggy. Actually, the Wi Fi wouldn't even. I guess they had uh, the bandwidth choked on that because it was uh, kind of for the whole convention center. Yeah. Then I tried playing over my uh, cell network, but it just was too laggy to do precision shooting. Yeah. Oh. That's already a challenge on a console anyway with a controller. Right. <laughs> yeah, so. I've I've tried doing some stuff with the hotspot and everything too, because, you know, uh, some of those, they, they give you the hotspot. Oh, that's cool. And uh, it's not as cool as you think it is sometimes. <laughs> not for that kind of you know, no. kind of response you need, yeah. But uh, but anyway, so yeah, my first but when I really got hardcore gaming as as a uh, in my thirties, it was probably a, a buddy of mine. PS two had been out for a year. He was playing, mm-hmm. and he was unemployed. I was working as an actor, so I had lots of downtime. I always have, you know. Yeah. And anyway, he he was he got to play this game, Gran Turismo three, this racing game, and we got. I went and bought a PS two and, and and steering wheel and all that stuff. And we were just racing and it, that wasn't online capable. So it was just us hooking up our consoles and racing each other. Yeah. They actually came out with like an adapter to get it hooked up to the internet. Didn't they on the PS two eventually? I don't think GT three ever did, but they, but GT four was on. Okay. Uh, but I, as I recall, maybe that came later. I remember that was a big reason we didn't like GT fours because it promised to be online capable. Yeah, and my friend had moved to New Zealand at that point for about a year, so that oh. was our only hope to race each other, you know. Yeah, uh, and it didn't happen when when it came out. I know that if it came later, I don't know. We kind of got out of that, you know. But uh, but yeah, the, the, and that's when I got kind of getting a PS2 was sort of like, oh my god. And then I played Grand Theft Auto <laughs> Three, and and yeah, I just became whole hog into gaming. And it's funny you mentioned Halo. I remember visiting. Uh, family for Christmas and my nephew was probably, he was still pretty young. I don't know how old, you know, nine, 10 years old, maybe. And, uh, he, he was, let's play halo three, you know? Yeah. And he thought, Oh yeah. The, the grown up, I'll kick his ass for a while. Not knowing <laughs> I was wasting hours online playing that game. So yeah, we did a match. He's like, I didn't know you'd be this good. And, you know, he was really, <laughs> he felt pwned. I remember when, so my ex-wife, her brother, and his friends were really big into it. 
and uh, they would have like the the Halo parties where they would all have their own um, TV in the living room. Oh, the old land parties with the oh yeah, Xbox. yeah, and um, it looked like a lot of fun. But you know, I never got to do it with them because she's like, no, I don't want you hanging out with my brother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. But I ended up later on when uh, after we got married, me and him started playing. Uh, it was when the 360 came out and me and him started playing all the time together. And the way that I learned was he would just beat the mess out of me on that game. And then I would just have to figure it out. And eventually I got really good at it, but I learned the hard way. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to learn it. Oh, yeah. You know, it uh, it definitely once you get to that point now, when I'm playing my kids, you know, I'll do it to where it's them playing against me by myself. Mm-hmm. And the one thing they know is to keep the sword away from me. You know, if I get that and then they're screwed. So you are, you're, you're playing, um, three. Oh, oh still, still playing three, huh? Oh, I'm still that's playing three. The old console. That's right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I really got into the multiplayer on. Honestly, I didn't, the other halos and I right. played them all campaigns, but I, I never got into going online and, you know, getting called racial slurs by kids. I just, <laughs> I was never oh, it's good the worst. to really, you know, hang yeah. out at league. So, and then, so as much as I'm, I definitely have an achievement whore on, on the Xbox, but I, I just <laughs> let it go on those multiplayer achievements. So you were talking a minute ago about uh, doing cons and stuff like that. About how many of those do you do a year? Well, that's new for me too. I, I uh, really didn't do them my whole career. Okay. I did, a cu- I did a couple, uh, and then uh, last year I really got into it. Like at the very end of last year, I, I got a couple of agents to started booking them. Mm-hmm. So I've done like twenty seven or so this year. Oh wow! Um, so far, if you count in like store signing appearances, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely been. I mean, the con season we're kind of in the lull now. So right. I just did one last month, and I've got a couple this month. Yeah. Um. Well, you get closer but, uh, to the holidays and they kind of taper off for a little bit. I guess they do. I mean, when I started in December, I, I did four. Well, one was a oh, wow. store signing and but anyway, but yeah, <laughs> they, um, it's been an eye opener, you know, it's, it's, it's great because you, you know, as voice actor, you work in a vacuum and not being an anime fan myself, I don't watch it. So I okay. just wasn't plugged into that fan community. I, I, for the longest time, didn't really understand how big Dragon Ball was. I knew it was it was big because I knew I, I'd even heard of it. You know, I yeah. thought there's just, there's really only about three anime. I think that you could say to like a grandmother and she'll have at least heard of it. Yeah. You know? Yep. And I always thought that'd be dragon ball, uh, Pokemon mm-hmm. and probably sailor moon. You yeah. Know? Yeah. People try to put, throw Naruto and stuff in there. Goes, I don't think so. She's not gonna know what Naruto is as big no. as it is among fans, you know? Um, but, uh, so I, I knew it was popular. I didn't know that for millennials that that grew up on it, it was as important to them as like Star Wars or Star Trek was to me. Oh yes, you know, until I started doing cons and I, you see fans. I saw dudes that were clearly would normally just scrawny weeby geeks, but they were all jacked. You know? uh-huh. Yeah, and they're like, "Well, Goku inspired us to train." You know, right? It's <laughs> like, wow, this this show has affected the way you live your life. You know? Yes, that's pretty big. Well, and even for me, you know, I, I'm that I'm not jacked. I, I, I've got a dad bod, but, you know, it, it played a big part in my life to the point where both of my kids are anime fans now. And uh, so, you know, when I told my son that I was going to be talking to you and I told my daughter, um, they each watch different shows that you've been a part of. My son was a huge Dragon Ball Z fan. 
and my daughter loves My Hero Academia. Yeah. So when I told That's her that I was going to have uh, Tenseida on my show, you know, she thought that was pretty cool, uh, especially since, you know, now I've had both of the brothers on my show because I did have oh, Michael, Michael Tatum. I did. Yeah, yeah. He was my first anime voice actor, and I met him at a con. And I just kind of jokingly was like, maybe one of these days I'll be big enough to get you on my podcast. And he was yeah, like, sweet guy, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was like, sure, why not? And then, like, he gave me uh, his email and uh, we set it up right away. So, yeah, great guy. But yeah, some shows, I, I like Tensei Ida, he only appears in three episodes. I mean, right. uh, it's a very minor character, really. But some shows are so big among their fans that just having been in it, mm-hmm. you know, they will get excited. And, I think, and I've had some fans go, he's in more than that, isn't he? And I think it, I think it seems like that to you because he's so important to Tenya. You probably heard him talked about or felt yes. his influence more than. Well, it plays such person. a huge part in, in the Tenya story. You know, I mean, with what happened, I mean, uh, Tensei is the last one that Stain actually, you know, cripples. Right. And so it's, it plays a very big part in what progresses the story to where it's at. You know, so I, I think that's the reason why people think that. But yeah, it's I know he, uh, the the part was very minimal there, but well, my I've kids heard, have got me watching all of it. So I don't know what's going to happen, but the, the the prequel manga called Vigilantes, uh-huh. um, which features Tensei and others, you know, when they were active before okay. the battle was stained. Um, I've heard it's it's been greenlit to be adapted to an anime. So if if oh. that happens, and if Crunchyroll gets the contract to dub it, and Colleen casts me, and you know if those things fall in place, maybe I'll get to do a little more Tensei action. Sometime that would be cool. Year. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Uh, I'm kind of geeking out over here myself. Provided that he's not. I mean, I've been read the manga so far. All I know he's 12 years old in it, and they're going to cast right. him, play him. You know, but <laughs> you know they. Uh... They, they tend to do stuff like that sometimes. So you'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah. Out of all the different shows and stuff that you have been a part of, um, what would you say is probably the most memorable one that you've been in? Hmm, it's hard to say because you, know, you, you when you work on something, you remember it for different reasons. Right. Um, I guess probably... I mean, I had more memories of Dragon Ball just because even though my character was in part of the one season. Yeah. Um, with Dragon Ball, you always revisit it because there's been a video game almost every year. Yeah. You know, and then uh, we did the Kai dub. Yes. Uh, you know, so I've spent more time doing those Nappa moments than probably anything else. And uh, so you, you associate more memories with it. Um but there's little moments, little one-off characters that I still remember. Uh, like there was a show called Shin Chan. Mm-hmm. Watch that one. Yeah, just I haven't watched that one. No. Okay, it's super. It was f- real, super silly and funny and crazy, you know. And uh, I played a villain in one where I don't. I don't remember if he even had a name, but he was a, a talking anthropomorphic calling card. <laughs> you know. All and right. Even at, the, even at the time, this is probably at least 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. Probably more because it's probably mid two thousands. Anyway, it was, um, even then calling cards were out of date, you know? Yeah. And that was part of the villain's frustration. You know, <laughs> I, I don't, I just remember it was so silly. And I, and I remember Shin Chan punches a, a hole with, gets a giant hole punch and punches a hole in the corner of him, you know? And I just remember I, I had the line when he was defeated, like, no, you've ruined my already marginal value. You know, <laughs> 
it's, it's a moment, you know, I'm being paid to say this. That's funny. So I, I still remember that, you know, I still remember, um, this is more recent, but there was a show, a show called Moriarty, the Patriot. Okay. Uh, and this was maybe two years ago. Um, there's just a scene, a uh, villain is chasing somebody, stops into a theater and he just, I, I was just some British guy sitting on the front row and he looks at him and goes, you, did you see this man? Did he go through here? Tell me, I'll pay you. You know, he's real intense. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so my guy was just like, like, there's no need to pay me, sir. I saw him. He went that way, points to the back of the theater, you know, <laughs> and the next shot was just the guy running off. Yeah. You know, just heading out after him, you know, just a real asshole, just yeah. coming in the middle of the room, interrupting a shit, you know, <laughs> and so there was just a shot of him running off with nothing happening. So I just, as a joke, ad-libbed, you're bloody welcome, you know, <laughs> and, and the director Raleigh, he kept it in. Like I, I checked out the stream and it was in there. So. Oh, that's great. We rarely get to improvise anything that, that winds up in the show. We're usually just horsing around, but it was kind of cool that, you know, yeah. made it. So I'll always remember that just for that reason, you know? <laughs> so how many, uh, you were talking about, they do the video games and stuff like that. And I know that you've done the voice on a lot of those. Have there been any other video games besides the uh, drag, uh, Dragon Ball franchise that you've done? Not many. Um, I, there's a mobile game called Smite that they okay. were making stuff for for years. And I did a few characters on that. Um, once in a while at a con, I'll come across a Smite fan. I don't even have it on any of my stuff at my table or any prints or anything, you know, but they'll go, hey, you're in Smite, right? You know, <laughs> and then um, I bet now as far as a big game, I, I, I've done several characters in the Borderlands series. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and Gearbox did a game that they were trying to launch as like a really big game that just didn't take off years ago called um, Battleborn. That and sounds did, familiar. Yeah, I did a cool character in that, but it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't take off. You know, it was, mm -hmm. uh, I think Fortnite came around around the same time, maybe just okay. took all the auction out of the room, I think. Yeah. Or something like that. Some big franchise came out that was similar and just like, that's what people played instead. You know, one of those things. Um, and then, uh, I, I actually, one time at Okratron, there were a bunch of us, we, I, if you've an interview voice actor, you probably heard this term. I, I don't know if your listeners know, it's called Walla and it's what happens when you get several actors in a room to get in a booth together and you're just recording crowd noise. Okay. It could be a bunch of guys watching a fight, a bunch of people at a bar, people, you know, anything. And just like, okay. And it's just stuff that you're not going to notice. It's all in the background, you know, uh -huh. but they were like, oh, we do, we do Walla for this game thing. And then he tells what it was. A bunch of us get in there. And and I saw like Spartans. I thought, wait a minute, this is and it was it what it was, it was a trailer for Halo Wars. Oh. Uh, which was that's how long ago this was. That was still that was coming out, you know. Yeah. And so uh I remember what I, I said something like I with the Spartans were getting out of there, you know, I was like, oh, let's kick some covenant ass or something like that. <laughs> but I if I, you can find that trailer and you can hear me say it. Like, so I like to say, oh yeah, I was in Halo. I just keep it real vague. You know, there you whoa, go. you know. <laughs> you work with Steve Downs? Well, not exactly. Well, you know. <laughs> Do you have any um, favorite fan interactions since you have been doing these uh, uh, cons? Um, well, there's one that uh, was really sweet. Mm -hmm. um, and, and very humbling. I, I was at this small con and this girl was, she had a table there. She was a young girl doing cosplay, 
but she came up to me and she had, um, I don't know if she had something or anyway, she was, she was like talking to me and shaking and crying. She was feeling, and, and, and basically she and her father, uh, had watched Dragon Ball together. And, um, what do they call the, the anime? I, I always get screwed up on the anime styles, the anime style show where that's got a lot of fighting and stuff like Dragon Ball. Is that shoujo? The Shonen? Anyway. Huh? Shonen, maybe? I don't know. I think it's Shonen. I'm not sure. So forget, forgive me. I don't know the term. But it's, you know, that 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 genre of anime, she yeah. didn't seem like the typical demo fan. You know what I mean? But it was because it was she and her, that was her, she and her dad's thing. And her dad had been sick or something and had died. So she was a young woman to not have her dad. He must have died when she was really young. So, you know, and she was just crying. I just wanted to tell you how much it meant to, you know, and stuff like that. So, I mean, I gave her a couple of prints. I'm like, here, 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 you know. Yeah. It was just, it was just so sweet. I mean that it meant that much to her. And, and it was something, cause sometimes people have those strained relationships with their parents and there's only a few things they can remember that they, you know, could, right. Could share where they were together and bonding over, you know? Yeah. Um, that That's really cool. You know, I mean, um, whenever you have those, it's, it, they, they stick with you, you know, um, for me, it, I have something I, I feel that way with my kids because I do watch that stuff with them. So I'm sure that there are some that will be always special for me, even, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. I watched it with them. So, no, I, I totally understand that. And then I like the fans that are into, like I mentioned, that are into something more obscure. That's not. Yeah. What I actually usually get like uh, I did a show that my understanding, it was a big manga and a big anime in Japan. And for whatever reason, just did not catch fire here called uh, blood blockade battlefront. Okay. Um, and I played uh, a lead character in that. It was, mm-hmm. um, and it was, it was cool. You know, I, I really thought it, I had a lot of fun doing it. And um, once in a while I'll get somebody who's into that show and they'll bring a DVD or they'll want to get a print or, you know, or, or anything like that. That's, that's more obscure. I, I, I dig that when the fans are into something. Right. Track, you know, yeah. So going back to something you were saying a minute ago, and I just it just came out of nowhere. Uh, you were talking about how maybe Fortnite had came out around the same time as that uh, the other game. Have you tried getting into Fortnite? Is that a game that you play? No, I've never even seen a screenshot. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll just go ahead and say it. I, I suck at it. <laughs> Um, I mean, is it a shooter? I don't even know what it is. Is it a so it's you build and multiplayer? Yeah, it, so you uh, like you build fortresses and stuff like that, and then you like or shoot. It's a shooter game, you know. Mm-hmm. But like you build like shelters and things like that as well. And uh, I, I played it maybe once or twice, and I'm terrible at it. My daughter is great, but yeah, don't. Uh, that's not one that I've been able to get into. Um, it's it, it's pretty hard. So it so it is a shooter. It is a shooter. Yes. Okay. So you're not you're not working in clans or or it's not like, um, you know, Elder Scrolls or something where it's a no, no 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 it no uh, it's uh uh it's definitely a shooter game, um but uh, I am more of an Elder Scrolls kind of player. You know, I like stuff like that and uh, Fallout's another big one for me as well. Well, the last um, the last Halo. Yeah, uh, had a lot of sandbox elements. It did, yeah. And I, I didn't think I'd like mixing those, but I really enjoyed that. Yeah, you know, I get, I get that little, that little dopamine buzz of you know achieving short term goals, and I like like, 
getting every single thing in a game. Like that's yeah. why I'm playing R even though this RE4 remake came out in March, I'm still playing because I'm still getting all the little missions accomplished and the extra rewards and this and that, you know. Now um, is four the one that's in South America? No, four's in Spain. In Spain. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, not um, a Resident Evil guy. I, I've played some of them, but I haven't played a lot of them. Um I, I played them more when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I got married stopped really playing for quite a while and then when i started playing video games again i had kids and so you know okay i, I haven't really got four is one that's often considered the original to be like the best of the franchise I, okay i think that i think because there were a lot of people like me who never played the other ones right and that was their first one to get into on the gamecube okay and uh it just uh um it was sort of marked a change for the series it became more like a shooter and less you know more action not not quite as much of yeah uh, the um how are you with how are you with uh the controls because those controls on resident evil they they get a little confusing at times i don't think they've ever stayed consistent from one game to the next they're always slightly (laughs) different yeah Um, and they usually had the option like oh do you want the controls like the last game but i usually wind up not doing that because usually well this was good you do it this way and i get used to it but yeah um it's not it's okay i played so much of it i get very used to it you know? Gotcha. But I can't get very confused. If I went back now and started playing God of War again, I'd probably be like, wait a minute, why, why is this not the block button? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's man. You're naming all kinds of games that I like to hear. Uh, God of War is probably one of my top games to, to play, especially because what was that? Those PS2 when that came out, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Actually it was uh Chris Sabat, uh, yes. Rokotron, voice of Vegeta. He's the one who told me about it. I was in studio for something. Okay. It's like, Phil, if you played this game, God of War. <laughs> no, I've never heard of it. You have a PS2, right? You've got to play it. The graphics are sick. and It's just so much fun, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, he was right. I loved it, you know? I, I Although I remember God of War was so frustrating because, you know, that game was <laughs> unforgiving with timing and stuff. Yes. And that, that last boss battle. With, with Ares? Yeah. Yeah. My PS2, another great console platform, but hardware could be a little glitchy because they were rushing them out you know so yeah. much then more than once i would get to where i was about to defeat him he's down to like one hit point and the game would lock up or something oh no you know? and i had to start the whole damn battle over oh, again no. it was so <laughs> frustrating it that was another thing is at the so as you start the game you already see who the big boss is going to be at the end of the game you know and as you're going through like the town and stuff like that it always i don't know it was a weird feeling like oh my god what if he sees you you know oh, you mean like you're... when you're in that one battle and he's in the background all giant yes and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. you're just like he could just come over here and just squash me right now if he yeah. wanted to <laughs> but uh I-, I love that game i actually got a psp just so i could get chains of olympus I had friends who were not gamers at all, and I uh-huh. tell them the premise, and they're oh, that sounds cool. I said, yeah. yeah, you're this, you're this guy fighting way through Greek mythology, and they're just like, oh, that sounds awesome, you know? Yeah, and yeah, I I, uh, I had a PSP, so I didn't buy it for that, but I probably would have, you know, <laughs> even though Logic would have told me they're going to port it over. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, and I played uh, the port too. Did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, w- was there any difference between it at all? Um. People complain like, well, when you blow up to a larger screen, you see its inherent flaws. But I didn't really see that. I thought yeah. it was, I thought it was fine. I, I enjoyed all of those. 
And then, and then it was really brilliant to remake it in Norse mythology and change the tone of the game like they did. Yes. And I haven't played uh, much of Ragnarok. I got it, but then I got sidetracked with something else. And so it's, it's still waiting for me to get back into it. I, I, I want to, I didn't get the last, um, I finished the God of War reboot. Okay. But um, I didn't beat that last Valkyrie. Uh-huh. The one that's got all the abilities. Okay. You know? Yeah. And I tried a few times. I thought, okay, eventually I can do this, but it's <laughs> going to be a grind. You know, yeah. I'm going to have to do this a thousand times before I get everything good enough at it that I can just take her out, you know, and couldn't psychologically get myself to that place. <laughs> it does take a, it, it takes a lot, you know, there's a lot of emotion that goes behind gaming. People don't realize unless they are gamers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they can evoke. They definitely can evoke emotions. You know, I re, I still remember the playing the first Halo campaign, campaign on the original Xbox. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how well you know that campaign, but um, I remember it pretty well. I think yeah. Okay, it's it's one of the early. I forget which mission, uh, but it's kind of the first time you go underground. Okay, into into the underground structure, and. There's a light bridge. You have to get the bridge back on to get across. You're 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 in the warthog. You drive okay. there, and there's a bunch of covenant. And there's a little. It's hard to describe, but over over to the side, there's like a dark quarter. And there's an elite down there, and you. Go okay. Through. I know. I just, it, it scared me like it was a horror game. I remember the first <laughs> time I played it because I'm, you know, I'm yeah. I'm in there, you know, and and I'm looking down in that quarter. And I hear the you know the sound they make, you know, and <laughs> yeah, see the light of a plasma grenade. I just remember being oh shit. You know, just <laughs> adrenaline running up and down my back. And because I was, you know, I was emotionally in that place of like, I got to get through this and I'm, you know. Right. Yeah. I, I, the, the one game that I think of whenever it comes to games that actually kind of scared me a little bit is probably um, just had it in my brain. And now I forgot what it was called. Um, you're fighting aliens in outer space on a dead space. Yes. Oh, dead space. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Man, I played that game in the dark by myself the first time I played it, and I was creeped out whenever I turned it off that night. So, yeah, excellent atmosphere in that game. It is. It's a, it's a fun game to play, and it's hard to put the controller down, but it, you will creep yourself out. So there was one thing that you did bring up before we got on here, and I kind of wanted to talk to you about it. You said that you do the uh, murder mystery uh, dinner shows as well? Yeah, I do. Um I've always been kind of a, a working actor living in Dallas, Texas, which is not where most TV and film is made. So right. a lot, I, do, I do a lot of live acting and I do whatever pays, you know, in the mm-hmm. kind of small time showbiz. So I've done, I've done a lot of um, live performing gigs where I uh, do celebrity impersonations. Um, there was a okay. time 20 years ago, around the time I was first doing Funimation stuff, I was making most of my money being Austin Powers. <laughs> on sometimes other characters, but that one mostly. I was yeah. In, in that suit and those teeth and that wig doing anything you could imagine. It yeah, could be, baby. <laughs> it could be a teenager's birthday party. It could be a big corporate sales meeting. Um, and I was traveling the country, sometimes to Europe. I was doing it everywhere. It's just, it was, uh, uh, and I still do sometimes. Occasionally, I still get an Austin Powers gig. Uh, yeah. I did one just a couple weeks ago, yeah. But but, it, but there was a time when that was about all I did. And, and then I did other characters too. And the murder mysteries were, I mean, I, when I dropped out of college, started doing theater, I did initially did like community theater. And then I started doing comedy troops, mm. you know, where you, uh, with, uh, but not just improv. We did improv, but we also did sketches that we wrote and, okay. and I got heavily involved in that. I was as a performer, as a writer, as a director, producer, um, 
and that really honed all the skills I needed to do gigs by myself where I'm doing characters or writing comedy for any situation, et cetera. Okay. Uh, did a little bit of stand up, but, but yeah, the murder mysteries were, I took to those well because that kind of used that skill set. Cause I usually play the detective. And so I've kind of kind of be the guy that keeps the show running and you're kind of like a, acting as an MC, but you're also being funny, but you're also keeping the audience on track with the, with the clues and playing the game and right. Et cetera. So I, I enjoy doing them. Well, you definitely have the uh, detective voice. I don't know how to really say that, but you know, you have the voice that is a believable detective voice. If you were listening to even like back, I love old murder mystery radio and stuff like that from mm. back uh, whenever uh, radio dramas were a big thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have that voice that would fit perfectly for a detective. So I, I can definitely see that. Well, you think so, but somebody in Japan didn't think so because do you know the show? Um... Detective Conan, case closed. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, Funimation was doing that dub way back, and uh, I originally was cast as Inspector McGuire, which is the sort of the guy that's yeah every episode, uh-huh. you know, even though Conan's actually solving the case. Right. And uh, we recorded, because this wasn't simuldubs back then, we, you know, we would do, um, we'd have, we, we, if I had you in the booth for a day, you might do three or four episodes. Right. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, we did quite a few, and then... But then the Japanese company that owned the IP came in and said, ah, we don't like some of these. So I was one of the ones they recast. Really? Yeah. And then I, 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 I listened to what the guy that they replaced me with. And I thought, well, that kind of sounds like what I was doing. I don't see any big difference, you know. <laughs> um, I'm still bitter, obviously, about it. Still, yeah. <laughs> Just because that show, that I, I missed a lot of work because that show went on for a long time. You know? Right. And I think McGuire was in almost every episode, so it would have been, you know, another session. But... um but I think back then, Funimation was still pretty young. Mm-hmm. And I I think perhaps some of the Japanese companies were like, you know, they didn't trust them. Like, hey, we know what we're doing when we dub these. We know how to cast them. We know how to produce them, you know. So they they would exercise a little more say-so over how the dub was going. Yeah. Uh, you know? I, they uh, Funimation has a little bit more uh, leeway now because they're pretty well-known just about everywhere. Now, and... Funimation and Crunchyroll, they're one and the same now, aren't they? Or is it just their streaming service that is? No, it's it was a merger. It was and a merger, okay. My understanding is that it was actually Crunchyroll that was acquired, but that name was taken. But I think it's more complicated than that. And I don't it's all above my pay grade, I don't know. Yeah. But I know it's called Crunchyroll now and, and it's 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 different. You know, it's bigger, studios bigger. Right. Know. Well, I, today on my uh, TV in the living room, that big one that I got, you know to replace the blue screened one. Uh, uh, I was going through there and I was like, huh, I still have the Funimation app on here, but you know, I, I use Crunchyroll, So mm-hmm. I, I, I was just wondering, I was like, I wonder why that's still on here. Are they two separate I, things I or how does that work? Some, a few shows that are on the Funimation now app still. Uh-huh. And I don't know. Maybe it's a licensing set. I, I, I don't know. Again, you have to ask somebody from legal at Crunchyroll and they probably couldn't talk about anything. <laughs> but um, uh, I do know that when it was Funimation, I had and still have a free subscription. Oh. Now, my Crunchyroll, I pay for it just like everybody else. Really? Yeah, they, would, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't pony up for that. Huh. Well, I know there was a lot of people that when it first came out, they was like, oh, if you have a... Funimation, then it's just going to transfer right over to Crunchyroll and you won't have yeah. any issue. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really like having it. You know, my my son, 
I was kind of just waiting because you know a lot of, a lot of the newer ones, uh, Hulu brings them out mm-hmm. too, and so I was really using that a lot. I didn't, I was a little behind on it, and my son kept on pushing me. He's like, "Get Crunchyroll, get it, get it," and now I don't know what I would do without it. You know, because there is, I mean, if you want to watch anything anime wise, that's the that's the place to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but the fact that it, it, more anime is showing up on the big streaming platforms like Netflix and Hulu just shows how mainstream it's become. Right. Yeah. I remember when it was just Toonami, you know, you get home from school and uh, you get to watch uh, Dragon Ball Z. And uh, I remember they would w- play everything up to the point to where they had the new episodes of and then they would start from the very beginning again and play up to it and i just frustrated me because i was like i want to know what happened next you know Mm -hmm. and uh i don't have to worry about that now you know with having the streaming services and things so it's 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 really i'm old enough to kind of watch how um television yeah um has changed to such a a user-controlled environment i mean right you know i'm I'm too I, i i'm not old enough to remember this uh, but from what I've read, when the first consoles came out, like the Coleco Telestar, mm-hmm. which were just Pong, you know, yeah, yeah, I think they, I think that was one where you hooked up to your TV and like, no, we have three games, and you, you actually put some Mylar overlay over your screen. Yes, like, okay. Now it's tank battle, you know, but it's still the same thing. <laughs> um, but they said the thing that consumers uh, were blown away by with those first machines was the fact they were sitting there with something in their hand and they were controlling what was on the screen because before that watching TV was completely passive. Most homes still didn't even have remote controls. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So to actually be able to influence what's going on on the screen, even though it was just a white dot was, was just blowing people's minds, you yeah. know? And then the one thing I remember from my youth is when VCRs became ubiquitous. Uh, mm-hmm. I still remember uh, my parents were out of town and we finally, we were late to the VCR party. This was probably like 83 or so. Okay. Um, but I was watching uh, a movie. It was uh, an old baseball movie with, that Robert Redford directed called The Natural. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah. I'm watching it, getting really into it. I had to pee and I was like, oh, I don't want to miss any of this. You know, like, I, I didn't understand. <laughs> I, I, I took, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can just pause this. I'd uh-huh. never pause any kind of t- thing on my TV before, you know? And I, I felt like, uh, you know, uh, Zeus coming down from the mountaintop with that kind of power, you know, it was like, <laughs> wow. You know? And then I realized, Oh, what I missed that line. What did that guy say? And I realized, Oh, I can rewind. I mean, it was just, yeah. it, it sounds so silly, but it was mind blowing that I had to have that kind of power. <laughs> um, and then, uh, DVRs were another leap forward. Yes. Where you were basically doing that to live television. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then streaming was like where well I'll decide you know I'll just pick and choose from a lot of stuff I don't need you know exactly it, it made it made blue DVD Blu-ray players seem so quaint because like you you know I have the season sets of a lot of shows on those on those physical media yeah but it you know having to get up and change the disc every few hours you know if yep. you want to binge it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Or have it not remember if, if it was a player or the, the manufacturer of the disc on Blu-rays didn't have it so they could nest the memory so they didn't remember where you were. You know, the fact that all that's kept track of for you when you stream. Yeah, my kids even, you know, I've got a 12 and a 13-year-old and trying to explain to them, you know, what it was like watching just normal TV because they don't know anything about cable even, you know. Their entire lives, we've always just had streaming. 
And so uh, I think, so Roku has like the Roku channel app for you. It's pretty much you're watching cable is what you're doing on there. Yeah. And uh, I was, I was watching something on there and my son was like, well, can't you pause it? And I was like, no, it's live TV. And he was like, I don't understand. (laughs) 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 So things have changed so much since then, you know, and uh, kids don't understand what we actually had, you know, trying to explain that, you know, there was a certain channel on your TV that you would turn it to, to see what was going to be on TV. And you had to wait till the channel you wanted come would come back up on the screen so you could uh, see what it was, or you had to have an actual paper copy of the TV guide for that week that came in the newspaper. Yeah, well, content deliverers had so much more say over what became popular then. I mean, right. as a Gen Xer, you know, most American kids in my generation know the theme song from The Brady Bunch. We all know The Brady Bunch. Yeah, It's not because The Brady Bunch is such a great show. It's just that we all saw it after school every day. It was always there in almost every city some syndicated it was being syndicated by somebody yeah you know um and that's because the syndicate whoever was owned it or whoever syndicated i mean the show was had some popularity before that and it appealed to kids obviously because it was about six kids but you know what i'm saying yeah like now whatever some modern version has to be discovered by an audience and even something that's huge like say stranger things as Uh big as that is uh, I bet there's fewer people that that have seen that show than saw the Brady Bunch back when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I could probably agree with that. Uh, you know, it, it there is a certain group that watches that, but yeah, it was more everybody had that on in their household. That's the reason why the term was coined a household name. You know, because all the houses were talking about it, and it mm-hmm. was because of TV shows like that back in the day because they were playing in everybody's household. Plus, it, 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 there was a there was an event to television viewing because it it, it was mm-hmm. on a certain time. You know, you right. You know, if you, I, I always watch those those claymation holiday specials like Rudolph every year. Yeah, and it, it was a big deal. My mom go, "Hey, Rudolph's on tonight. Tonight's the night." You know, it was like mm-hmm. getting ready for it when I was a little kid, or even you know, like when I was a little older. And Happy Days was a big deal among kids. You know, with Fonzie yeah. and all that stuff. You know, you either well, saw that show did, by the way. Did you see Happy Days last night? Oh, it's so cool what Fonzie did. Well, if you didn't see it, yeah, I catch it in a few months when they rerun it, right? Or, or in a couple of years when it's part of the syndication package. You know what I mean? But you either saw it or you didn't. I, well, I remember one time when I was a kid having this intense argument with a kid on on, on the playground because this was uh, in between the original Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. So okay, the first one was all we had, and he was arguing that Darth Vader died at the end of the movie. <laughs> I'm trying to tell him no 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 he his tie fighter spun around he got control and he just flew off away from the battle you know yeah which as we all know is what happened but exactly. there was no way to verify it there was right. no internet there was no here i got the scene right here you know or, or even <laughs> okay let's go to the theater and see it this weekend because it wasn't even playing anymore you know right uh and it wasn't on tv anywhere i mean <laughs> it was uh you had to use your memory to yeah. things like that yeah it was uh it was a different time and uh my kids still uh, make fun of me because you were talking about having DVDs and things like that. And um, I have a big box of all my DVDs. I've kept them, you know, even though I can watch any of that, I can get on uh, pretty much uh, Fandango or, you know, Voodoo or any of those things and um, pull it up there. But 
I don't know, something about me. I'm like, what if the internet goes down and then we don't have anything to watch? Well, I have my DVDs and I have a Blu-ray player where I can, we can watch it. And you will thank me then whenever we have it. Yeah. Uh, some construction projects severed the fiber optic line here. And so we didn't have internet for about oh. a day and a half. Oh, no. And uh, yeah, I, I had my, my discs. Yep. So kind of going back into a few things here, uh, we're coming up close to a close on the show, but I do have a few more questions I wanted to ask you before I get you off of here. Um, what would you say is one of the more emotional characters that you've had to play? Hmm. Or you had to do some actual acting, you mean? There you go. <laughs> um, well, there's often there's moments anywhere, like even Napa, you know, yeah. his, his death is the only time you see him really vulnerable. Right. I and mean, he's, there's no bravado there. He's actually, and you know, if you, the history, I mean, he's, he's pleading for Vegeta to save his life. Cause right. he's basically raised this kid. Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, um, it's, it's, it's really pathetic, but I mean, no kid thought Nabba didn't have it coming anyway, you know? So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Bad for him. Yeah. But, um, but you know, that was an emotional moment. I'm trying to think of anything where I actually had to got to a place where I, you know, cried i've done that working on stage you know but i'm trying to think on, on in in anime i don't think there's ever been that emotional okay but, you know we, we're we're not creating the content as much in, in dubbing you know and there's right. so much already in place the it's already animated the timing's already out mm -hmm. you know um i could see that happening more if you worked on say the simpsons or something where you're you're doing the voices first and they're going to animate around it yeah you know, but, or a pixar movie or whatever american adult animation has become a pretty big deal um have yeah, you right. um tried getting your your foot in the door with that at all have you done any work with that no i you know i never uh reload i'm still in dallas you know okay uh, I, I need to i mean i i'm sure you once you're established and big you can probably record from anywhere right but i'd probably have to go to la to to do that i did one time get a um an audition via email and it was for uh warner brothers mm. and i didn't get cast but i, I got the impression that they they found me because I, I imagine somebody working on the 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 project was probably a fan of something some anime thing or whatever. gotcha yeah i don't know but um i just to even send an audition for the same company that made batman the animated series was very exciting for me <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like i i would love to have been a part of something but yeah well, you know, I have heard something. I don't know if this is rumor or if it's true, but I've heard there's a lot of stuff from like the Hollywood area that is kind of moving towards Texas, um, you know, to start doing more filming and stuff down there. That has happened in Austin for sure. Okay. Yeah. Part of it's just it's so expensive to shoot in LA. Do you remember that uh, Seth Rogen thing a few years ago called The End, where it was the apocalypse? With yeah, all the yeah. Celebrities? Yeah. Okay. And I remember him talking about that it's all set in LA, but they actually filmed it in uh, like Georgia or someplace. Okay. And he said it was cheaper to, to digitally recreate LA than it was to actually try to shoot in LA. Wow. Yeah. It's very telling. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it is. Well, I know Georgia has become a pretty big place uh, for um, recording and stuff as well. Um, you've got stuff like, the walking dead, I believe is filmed in mm -hmm. Georgia, you know, yeah. so they're, they're expanding out of just the Hollywood area and going to different parts of the United States and even Canada now to do a lot more. One of my favorite shows is uh, supernatural. 
And I know they did a lot of their um, filming and stuff in like Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. That was, especially in the nineties, that was a big alternative location, Vancouver. I, I, what usually happens these these cities or States in the, in, here in the U S they'll, they'll, they'll set up with, with tax incentives. You yeah. Know? Yep. Um, but then sometimes it gets fought. So you say no, because when they're in there shooting, this happens or it creates this problem or I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I would think you'd want business in, you know. Right. Yeah. You would want more of that. You know, uh, it brings uh, more revenue into your area. Yeah. So if somebody were wanting to start in the business, what would advice would you give somebody that was just starting out? Well, my path and every path is a little different. Clearly getting into anime just was being right place, right time. Uh-huh. You know, that, that studio was starting here and would eventually become the largest anime dubbing studio in the country, you know, and right. I was an actor in the area. I would just say, uh, don't, as- don't aspire just to be a voice actor, just be an actor. You know, okay. if you, if you're in high school, go out for, if they've got a drama department, go out for that. You know, yeah. if they're doing community theater in your, in your area, do that. Just do as much acting as you can, learn, you know, where you learn how to work with a director and, and, um, and bring different things to a performance. Uh, and you know, we live in the day and age where people create their own content. So right. if you got some friends who are good at that stuff, do that too, you know, yeah. and then, and then get out there and, and, you know, just do as much work as you can, because I did get into it because I was, I was out there doing things and I met people and I knew somebody who knew somebody, you know, right. Some guys, I was at a con with a couple of young actors who started out as fans and they were doing some voice acting for crunchy now. And, you know, one of them, he took, uh, he took one of those workshops from a director that he knew worked at crunchy, you know? Oh, and, and that director's like, Oh yeah, you're pretty good. Why don't you come in and uh, read for this or be in this. And so, uh, yeah, all I can say is just, if you really want to do it, don't listen to anybody that tells you, you can't do it. Just, you know, yeah. Uh, go do it and do as much acting as you can, wherever it is, you know, if, if it's not paying much and you got to get some other job to you know, pay your bills, do that, you know, but uh, just do it. All right, man. So do you have any uh, projects that you can talk about that maybe you're working on right now? Anime-wise? Um, Anime-wise or other even? Yeah, nothing real. I mean, I've, I've been on a few shows, but they're all simul-dubs, so they're, they've already been put up, you know. Okay. Uh, I'm excited. I was in the first season of a show called Hell's Paradise, which is uh, part of the dark trio of, of manga that connected to uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. And, oh, okay. Uh, Chainsaw Man. I don't, I don't know all the intricacies, if they're actually in the same universe or if they're just kind of connected theme-wise, but... Um, but it, it it's it's a really cool show. We did the first season a, a few months ago. I got a really cool character in that. Um, um, oh, I got a touch of Buccaneer about him. You know, he's definitely okay. a warrior guy. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, in the in the streaming only world, you don't. It's not like you go out and it's a hit right away. You know, I right. I, I'm only just now getting people talking. Oh, you're in that. I love Hell's Paradise, you know. And <laughs> so season two of that will be doing sometime in 2024. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Okay. So. Well, that, that's like uh, you saying that. I'm just now starting to watch uh, Fire Force. And okay. uh, I love that show. It's great. But I didn't know anything about it until just recently. You know, I was scrolling through Crunchyroll trying to find something else to watch. And that was one of the recommended ones for me. And uh, yeah, that, that one's a lot of fun. Yeah, we're hoping that season three will be happening sometime next year, but I don't know anything. All right, man. Well, um, if people want to follow you online, where can they do that at? Uh, usually the best way is either Facebook or Instagram. 
you know, uh, my Instagram is uh, Phil Parsons underscore voice actor. Okay. And um, I'm on same on Facebook. I got a I got a professional page, and then you can find me on my my main page. That's fine too. <laughs> Do you get a lot of people trying to add you on there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't put much up except I'll I'll, I'll put up a video promoting a con or right. picture of my cats. You know, I, I don't put up too much, <laughs> so I don't mind. Yeah, I get that. So, do you have any cons that are coming up? Yeah, I'll be in uh, Houston, Texas uh, this weekend. Okay. Uh, Bedrock City Comic Con. I think it's being thrown by a real successful chain of comic book stores down there. So it's oh, cool. not just anime, but comic book stuff. That's always fun. There'll be some artists there and things. So right. in the Houston area, definitely come by. That's Saturday and Sunday this weekend. And then I'll be in Amarillo, Texas um, uh, later in the month. Okay. And then... Um, uh, Louisville and I, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, and they keep coming in. So I don't know. It, <laughs> Keeping if you, if you, you busy. Con, if you have a con in your area and you'd like to see me there, I always say, tell, tell the con, write them, say, Hey, why don't you get Phil Parsons or the cast of fire force or whatever? That's, that's how they wind up reaching out to us to get booked. Okay. And they think people want to see us. So, well, we got one coming up in, uh, January here in Northwest Arkansas. So, uh, okay. Yeah, I'll have to. I, I'm actually going to be part of a booth there. Uh, I'm a backstage correspondent for a, a wrestling show here, so oh, nice. uh, I will be, you know, part of that as well. So yeah, maybe I'll put. I'll, I'll try to get the word in. Yeah, is that about where I met you, there. Was was Fort Smith Comic Con? Uh, no, actually, I, I haven't met you uh, in person. Oh, okay. Actually, so you didn't go um, to that one then? I didn't. No, I wasn't able to make it to that one. Because there were uh, some wrestlers there. Yes, um, yeah. there's. They usually show up uh, at a lot of different places. In fact, I actually the the group that I work with might have actually been at the Fort Smith or uh, yeah, the Fort Smith one, uh, Diamond State Wrestling. They uh, they're new to the Northwest Arkansas area. We're growing quite a bit, but uh, I think they actually had a booth there as well. Yeah, that sounds right. I, I can't remember the name exactly. So you know, yeah, ask them. I definitely will. So do you have any final thoughts before I get you off of here? Uh, just thanks for listening and uh, for your interest and your passionate fandom, man. It's always humbling to meet people and see how much the, these, these shows and the work means to them and to be a small part of it is, is always an honor. So if I'm at some con, you're there and you didn't bring any money, you're not going to buy any autographs, that's okay. Come by and say hi. I love to meet people that are enthusiastic about it. Awesome. All right, man. Well, it has been great talking to you tonight. So you have a good night and I can't wait to see what you're doing next. Thanks. It took me 10 years to make the perfect man cave. And then we took it over and we made it into the multiversal chamber. Then I started my own podcast. And we took that over too. And we're the co-hosts, the Multiverse Kids. Yeah, and I'm the dad, the geeky dad. And every week, we what? We review the movies, shows, and books. Games and toys. Yeah, and sometimes we even have a special guest. So, join us every week on the Geeky Dad Podcast. Hey, listener. This is a not paid for product placement for the Zero to Hero podcast. What do you if mean? If you not definitely paid? like what you're listening to now, come on over to the a, Zero to Hero podcast. Lights on, just anywhere you want to be able to find your podcast at trash bills like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, which is still a little weird. For the two next two weeks. Come on over and enjoy yourself and listen to Billy and myself bicker, argue, 
and well, fight about a lot of things. As we are the Balkan School of Podcasting. How the hell am I going to get out there and welcome back to the show? All right, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed that episode with Phil Parsons. He was a great guest to have on the show, and uh, just really enjoyed talking to him. Um, I know we kind of got off on a tangent when it came to video games and things like that, but like I always say, you never know what's going to happen whenever it comes to the show. It could go anywhere. That's the reason why I call it If You Give a Data Podcast. Uh, we might talk about anything, really, when it comes to this show. So uh, I hope that, like I said, I hope that you guys enjoyed what we talked about on there. And who knows, maybe I'll be able to get him back on the show again in the future. And uh, it was kind of cool getting to hear him do a few of his voices in the show too. So uh, yeah, uh, thank you, Phil, for coming on the show. And uh, can't wait to uh, see some of these other shows and stuff that you're going to be doing. I want to give a shout out to my podcast networks, the OIW Podcast Network, the Avenue Podcast Network, and the Zio to Hero Podcast Network. These places have all kinds of great content. No matter what you want to hear, you can find it there. When you're waiting on an episode of If You Give a Data Podcast, go to one of these places and find something awesome to listen to. Um, I'm sure you can find whatever you're looking for on any of them. I will have links to all three of these podcast networks in my show notes. So I have merch out. I have shirts. I have a new one that's coming out soon. I should be posting it in the next few weeks. Um, I've got two stickers out. I've got coffee mugs, all kinds of different stuff. If you guys want any of that, hit me up on Facebook or Instagram or social media or email me or whatever. Uh, Tell me what shirt size you want and uh, we'll get that sent out to you just as soon as we can. Uh, Shirts are only 20 bucks. So, you know, uh, and like I said, got a new one that's going to be coming out soon. So if you want to wait till the new one comes out, I understand that. But make sure that you get this OG shirt as well. Uh, I've actually had quite a few people that are wanting that before it leaves. Because uh, once I run out of those, then I won't be making that one anymore. Um, but my wife makes all of this stuff for me. She makes all my all my merch for me. She also is uh, starting to do a lot of the stuff for Diamond State Wrestling as well when it comes to their merch. So make sure you go to Cups and Teas by Stacia. Hit her up for any of your custom needs. She makes all kinds of great stuff. She has tons of stickers. She has tons of t-shirts. She does all kinds of great stuff, whether it be sublimation or the direct-to-film Uh, So more of like a screen print. So you can do all of that stuff. Just hit her up if you need a t-shirt or a hat. Or uh, she even makes these new keychains that she's doing. She's doing like UV mugs and canned glasses. You name it. She's got it all. But I'm not just going to go off on a tangent more than I already have here talking about everything she has. If you need anything, hit her up. And like I said, I will have a link to her stuff in my show notes as well. I also want to give a shout out to D-Cure for creating my ending theme song. If you like what you hear at the end, make sure that you go and follow him. Also want to say thank you to Original Geek Comics for allowing me to be part of their Paladin comic book. Um, If you get one of those, you will see a full-length ad of the podcast. It has a QR code where you can find everything. It's a QR code to my link tree. Probably all of you know about the link tree that I have. That's usually what I share when it comes to new episodes. And... uh, Thank you to those guys for allowing me to be a part of that. Also want to give a shout out to Diamond State Wrestling for letting me be a part of them as well. I do the rare cut. I'm also a backstage correspondent and uh, might be doing some cool new stuff with them here really soon. 
make sure you go out there and follow them. I'll have a link to them as well. If you want to listen or watch The Rare Cut, which is the show I'm a part of, where we talk about all the things that are going on in Diamond State Wrestling, whether it be new matches, announcements, uh, storylines that are going on, you get the breakdown at The Rare Cut. So make sure that you go on there and you follow their YouTube page, Diamond State Wrestling. So you heard me talking about social media. I'm pretty much everywhere that you can think of. Just go on there and look up if you give a dad a podcast, no matter where you're at, and you will probably find me. Or you can look me up on Google. I'm the first 10 to 15 results there as well. If you want to send me an email, you can send it to giveadatapodcast at gmail.com, and I will get back to you just as soon as I can. If you have questions, concerns, if you want to tell me something that you would like me to talk about on the show, or maybe you have a guest that you would like me to bring on, send me a line and let me know. As you're listening to this, make sure that you rate and review this episode. Let me know what you think. If you like it, give it a five-star review. The more people that rate this show, the more likely I am to be discovered by somebody new. And I want everybody to hear this show, so make sure that you go out there and give me a rating. Also, like, share, and subscribe to the show. If you're listening to this right now, hit the notification bell. That way you are notified when a new episode of iGadap is available. So... We have come to the end of another episode of If You Give a Dad a Podcast, and it is time for Billy's favorite part of the episode, and that is Dad Joke of the Week. <laughs> and in the spirit of things, I'm going to go with a Dragon Ball Z joke since I had a Dragon Ball Z voice actor on the show today. What does an elite Saiyan warrior need to fix a car? Napa know-how. <laughs> All right, you guys. I love you. I hope that you have a wonderful week. And I will see you next time. Bye. People then tells us who we have on The best part of my day The world blocked out in my pods Tell my friends all about it So that they follow along And the host is kinda nerdy But guess what I am as well I don't feel so alone And I began walking out of my shell Heard a story I need a connection I haven't felt I'll be looking for the next one Tell then farewell It's the podcast for me Have it on better go see And listen closely This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network.